welcome to Think Bible Connect, a podcast designed to connect us to the Bible and the Bible to our daily lives. And this is episode 4. I'm so glad that I got a chance to start this again. And, you know, after I said it, I realized, is this episode 4? <laughs> it's not. It's episode 6. So you don't pay attention to the intro. You're not having deja vu. It's just uh, this uh, aged pa- aging pastor doing this. Um, anyways, I'm happy that I'm getting time to pick up on this again. So let me dive right in. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 1, we spent quite a bit of time looking at the genealogy of Jesus and discovered something beautiful. God's not embarrassed of human- humans that don't have it all together. And his genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus, shows that clearly. Which means that if God was not embarrassed, God was not put off by these individuals, he's not put off by you and I and our brokenness, our imperfections. And that was Genesis, uh, Genesis, Matthew chapter 1. And of course, we see why, why Jesus gets the name Jesus. We are told in Matthew chapter 1 that it was because he would be the one saving us from our sins. That's what his name meant. Jesus saves, Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. And he would save us specifically from our sins. And then we get into um, Matthew chapter 2 and we, we touched on the ugly part. I mean, the, the gospel story, if all you do, if all you know about Christmas is going to different churches or watching, you know, the Christmas plays on television, they don't have this usually where the babies are slaughtered. And we talked about that. And I'm glad that the Bible doesn't avoid these difficult, sticky situations. Um, and I hope that you notice that from the Bible. The Bible doesn't seek to sweep these things under the rug and pretend they don't exist. Right off the bat, even before Jesus is born, we have, um, or made prominent, rather, in the story, we see that the problem is not really one human being doing horrible things. As we said earlier, um, using the story, the analogy of malaria, just because you kill one mosquito, you have not solved the malaria problem. In a similar way, if God would have just destroyed Herod, he would not have solved the same problem. All Herod exhibited is what humanity exhibits when infected by sin. So that's the introduction to the book of Matthew, where we have a broken humanity, this over generations Jesus will save us from the sin that has made us dysfunctional like that and in Matthew chapter 2 we begin to see the nitty-gritty in just one individual the example of what individual with this sin thing fully manifested the sin virus fully blown out in his life the horrible things we are capable of so now we transition to Matthew chapter 3 and um, so we, we have now in Matthew chapter 3 a, the process by which we are saved. Um, Matthew chapter 3 introduces us to a, a, one of, a major player in the gospel, at least in the first part, named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he's going to be the precursor, the one that will prepare um, the people around that region for the coming of Jesus. So the gospel of Jesus actually doesn't start with Jesus himself. It starts with his uh, character named John the Baptist. And in the Gospel of Luke, we get a lot more details about him. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, boom, he just shows up with this message. And the very first words out of John the Baptist's mouth is repent. Now, in the Greek, um, the, the word that is used for repent tends to have a connotation of a change of mind, which is very significant. 
um, in the Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, the word that we use for repentance or translate to repentance actually is the word shuv, and all it means is to turn. So if you were to put both of them together, is to turn in the mind. This is not an outward reformation. This is a, a change that happens inside in the way we think, the way we feel. And so John the Baptist begin with, begins with this message in which he's calling people to um, change the direction of their lives. And this is not a call based on threats. You know, uh, there are some sermons from long ago, uh, I remember hearing, uh, in which you would hear expressions like turn or burn, you know, turn or sizzle. And uh, there's not much appeal to reason there. It's just fear. And in the Bible, actually, you don't see that language. Um, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Here, God is addressing the sin problem, which is very serious. We see what Herod is doing, but he wants to reason with us. God wants to engage our intellect, which I think is something beautiful and significant about how the Bible relates to our sin problem. So this idea of repentance will certainly appeal to our reason, to our intelligence. So in Matthew chapter 3, when um, John the Baptist begins to, uh, this message of repentance it is preparatory. It is a message in which you are to be introspective about your life, about the things that you feel are, are giving you happiness. Are, are you truly happy? Are you truly satisfied? Is the path that you are on giving you fulfillment and joy inwardly? Do you feel that you are achieving a condition of seeing yourself as a good person? And it, there's something beautiful about the work of God. The genealogy that we saw, uh, the episode with Herod, um, this is not an, an, an attempt of God shaming us or causing us to see things that aren't there. It is very difficult for us to see our own selfishness. How can a selfish person recognize its own selfishness? Uh, a proud person. How can a proud person recognize their pride? By definition, they're, they're rejected, they're, they're not defective, they're perfect. And so the, the work of repentance is a work in which God does exactly what we read in Isaiah 118. God is the one who reasons with us in our thoughts. God is the one that causes us to rethink our identity and not by coming to us accusatory, but rather by giving us objectivity the gift of self-objectivity in which there's no bias, there's no prejudice, and there's no desire to harm us. If anything, there's a desire to reveal a need and then supply that need. And that is how Matthew chapter 3 begins. This is how God will save us from our sins. And it begins with repentance. It begins with this uh, preparatory work. And you read the, the, the wording of it, you know, to make ready the way of the Lord. Before Jesus could come into the scene, the Savior, there needed to be an awareness of the sin, the problem. So the very first part of Matthew chapter 3, this person, John the Baptist, uh, would be like the physician that sends humans to get a blood test. And that blood test will show there's high cholesterol, triglycerides are through the roof, and 
Um, I guess I may have mentioned already this, that I was a nurse before I was a pastor. And <laughs> that that is exactly what happened to me some years ago. I may have mentioned this already, that uh, I got blood work done and my cholesterol and my triglycerides were exceedingly high. I would have never known it had a doctor not ordered those blood tests done. And in the same sense, God begins this process of salvation by causing us to realize, hey, I do have a problem. I do have a need. And this is the first part of Matthew chapter 3. We won't have time on this podcast to deal with the whole thing. But just to introduce this process of salvation, God will appeal to your intelligence. He will appeal to your reason. You will have this gift of objectivity for your inward self so that you can experience this gift called repentance. Because I'll finish with this. Ultimately, this repentance comes from God. I'll read to you one more verse from the book of Acts, chapter 5 and verse 31. It says, He, referring to Jesus, is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior. Here he is, the savior. And the first thing he does as a savior is he grants repentance. And after he grants repentance, he grants forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? This process of being saved, it is initiated and carried through by God. God working in your mind, in your thoughts, to give you the capacity to recognize the path that I am, I'm beginning to realize is not what I thought it would be. I am ready to reconsider and actually ask, is there a better way? And God stands ready to say, yes, there is a better way. Are you willing to let me lead you? I hope you will say yes.